Listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Uh, for the future, some sermons coming up. Just so you know, these are going to be like PG thirteen plus sermons on occasion. Uh, so as we were getting ready for our uh, for our sermon club, I I was talking about this and I was kind of going through my sermon and I was and I went with this Bill Ingvall. Do you, how many people in here know who Bill Ingvall is? A comedian. That's about correct. Okay. Um, so, neither did our youth guy. He was like, funny, don't even know who he is. Never heard of him because he's 25 and I'm 46. And I thought everybody's heard of Billy Ingvall and here's your sign jokes and all those other things. But part of this is, so, this, so here's how this Billy Ingvall, one of his jokes was, here's your sign. It's kind of like, if you didn't get this, like this should be your sign. So let me give you an example of one of his jokes. Somebody has a flat tire on the side of the road and you drive up to him and you're like, got a flat tire? like, nope, the other three just swole up real big. Here's your sign. Asking silly questions on that. So here's your sign that your pastor is going to an exciting sermon series as we move forward. Here are some of the, here are some of the titles. Remember, here are some of, the, some of the titles. If your pastor is going to possibly preach through titles like lawsuits among believers, here's your sign. If he's going to talk about sexual immorality, here's your sign. If he's going to talk about married and unmarried and the need for self-discipline, here's your sign. If he's going to talk about spiritual gifts and prophecy, here's your sign. If he's going to talk about women's roles in the church, here's your sign. So if you're here for the first time, you have picked an exciting time to join Real Life on the Palouse. Um, and we're going to do this with the best heart that we can, as much passion as we can, and we're going to mine the text the best that we can and understand it the best that we can. So here's what I can definitively tell you. The elders and I have agreed 100% that incest is not good. That you should not be having those kind of relations with your uh, mother-in-law or your, step- your stepmom. So let's do a quick review of where we've been, and then we'll jump into where we're going. Remember, Corinthian, uh, Corinth is a real place. It's a real place at a real time with real people. It's San Francisco and Las Vegas smashed together, right? There's derogatory terms. If you were a Corinthian, you were a, a ro- retired Roman, uh, Roman uh, soldier, or you were a freed slave. It was wild. It was new wealth. You had a port city. You had temple prostitutes and 10,000 temple prostitutes. You had lots of things to worship, lots of things to see. Your eyes were very engaged. Paul started this church in 49 AD, and he was there for about 18 months. He had gotten his tail basically kicked for quite some time when he landed in Corinth. He was kind of a broken man when he got into Corinth, we could see. He had not had a good run. And so here he is, and he's in this church in Corinth. And he starts by, uh, he's, he wants to, 18 months, uh, he's there, and good things are happening. And then he writes a letter from Ephesus, and that's one of the letters that we're studying right now in 1 Corinthians. He writes this letter about things that he's hearing going on in this church that he wants to correct because he's not there. Talked about the message of the cross is foolishness to those. And we asked that question, is the message of the cross foolishness to the world right now? Is it foolishness to you? Uh, we talked about how Paul called everybody big babies. He said, you are immature, immature in your faith. 
and how he was calling them to a, a different spot in their faith. Uh, Adam talked about the temple, and we talked about there's all these temples, but the temple is actually right inside of you. The Holy Spirit resides inside of you. Uh, the sp- very Spirit of God, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, resides right in you. And you are the temple. You don't have to go to the temple. You are the temple. And then last week we talked about uh, apostleship and apostle, the word means to be sent and that you were sent for a purpose on purpose. God has something for you to do in this world that he doesn't view you as a hobby level. It's not a hobby. You're not a hobby to him. And he's not interested in having a hobby level commitment to him either. A casual, oh yeah, now I remember you. But he wants a deep, abiding, intimate, fully invested, loving relationship with you as his child. So we're in chapter five and I want to talk about this. I want you to think about some questions today, but one of the questions is how do we view judgment? Judging is interesting, isn't it? How many people have heard of a show called American Idol or The Voice or um, America's Got Talent, right? And we're so used to judging I think it's second nature for me. I judged several people on the way back from my dad's and their driving efforts yesterday. <laughs> Do you ever look, you get up there and you're like, you're like, I got to see what that looks like. <laughs> oh, of course. No, like, like, why are we doing, why are we doing 50 and I'm in a beat up truck with a, with a beat up boat on it and we're doing 50 and a 65. I just have to see. And of course, there it is, your pastor, Captain Judgment person. And so I think about how we judge. So a couple of questions I want you to, to ponder as we go through this uh, sermon today, this, this talk today, but I want you to think about the definition of judgment, first of all. The process of forming an opinion or evaluation by discerning and comparing. A process of forming an opinion or evaluation by discerning and comparing. Discerning is a pretty important word there. Discernment is a pretty valuable trait in the kingdom and in God's word to discern his word well. So a couple of questions. Be thinking about these as we go through today. How are we to act or judge towards people outside of these walls that are alleged non-Christians, the world, as Paul states it, the world, the pagans, how are we to judge folks outside of these walls or act towards people outside of these walls? My second question is, how are we to act or judge people inside of these walls that affirm that they're a Christian, that say that they believe that this is God's true and holy word, that say that they follow this at the best that they can, that are going to make professions of faith when we have baptisms between these services? And they're going to be over here saying that they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and that they are, are going to follow him for the rest of their days. And we're going to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to say that this is how we look to regulate our life and make our decisions, not what the rest of the world says. And so that viewpoint is different, and we see this within Paul's text here. We see this inside of the church. He's talking, is he talking to non-believers in this letter? No, he's writing back to people who said, who accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, who accepted who Jesus was and what he was about, and he's helping them and writing to them. 
So I'm, today I'm, I have my NIV Bible here, but on my screen here I've got the uh, ESV, English Standard Version. So that's the one I think we're going to have on the screen here. Join me as we dive into chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. It is actually reported. Can you just see Paul? It is actually reported. It is actually reported. Can you believe it? That there is sexual immorality among you. Pornea is the word. Pornea. There is porn among you. Sexual immorality. That is the kind that's not even tolerated amongst the pagans. But even even those people, even the people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and haven't been redeemed and don't have the Holy Spirit in their heart and don't have it flowing out of their life, even those people know that this is wrong. For a man has his father's wife. Somebody in your church, he says, was having relations with their stepmom. And you were arrogant about it. You were arrogant about it. You were like, yep, what's the problem? And like today, we can sit here and we're like, <laughs> I go, that's, of course, duh, can't believe they had this problem 2,000 years ago. We know it's wrong. The people of the world knew it was wrong. You know, 20 years ago, a guy named Woody Allen married his adopted daughter in Hollywood. Even Hollywood was like, that's not right. He said, are you, and are you arrogant? Ought you not to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such things. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, uh, and my spirit is present with the power of the Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. You are to, what are you supposed to do with this person? You're supposed to cast them out. You can't hang out. You can't associate with somebody who's having relations with their stepmom and they shouldn't be and pretend like it's okay and actually boast about it. You need to hand them over to uh, Satan, the, the, the schemer. He need, that's where that stuff goes. That's Satan stuff. You can't have that in the church and say that that's okay. You can't have this in the building and actually when other people are looking at it, they're like, well, well, Corinthian church says it's okay. They're weird. You can't do that, he says. Cast them out. Cast them out. Now, that doesn't seem very Christian, does it? Just throw people away. Should you not be absolutely grieved? And so, but what's the so that there? Did you guys catch that? So that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord. So there's a reconciliation component to this, which we, I, hope, I think we kind of see it in uh, 2 Corinthians, and I'll hit that at the end. But there's a reconciliation piece, but you can't say that that's okay and have that in your church. You know why? Because that gives a black eye to God who was never in that fight. 
People can't tell the difference. If the world is in, is the world bending the culture of the church or is the church shaping the culture of the world? I think that's up for debate. I think it's up for debate. Your boasting is not good. You sit here and applaud this and say it's okay. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Yeast, right? Any bread makers in here? I'd like to try it just in case. You guys want to bring some? No. I love bread. But yeast goes through. That's what causes the bread to rise, right? It's part of, the, part of, the, part of what happens. And it goes through, and it's through the entire bread. So you have a little bit of immorality in your church, and you say that that's okay. It's going to keep spreading and spreading and spreading and spreading. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may uh, be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. He takes this to the gospel. That Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was sacrificed so that we could redeem someone who does things like this. So that we can work it out within community. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with old leaven. Don't let that stuff be in here. But don't let the leaven of malice and evil be inside the church, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And he goes on to say, I wrote to you in a letter, one that we don't have, not even to associate with the sexually immoral people. Don't you guys remember when I wrote you that letter and said, don't even associate with the sexually immoral people. Well, then how would we reach them, Josh? What the word for associate means there is you're not to condone and hang out with them. You don't go to the strip clubs with your friends to try and witness them with, to them. You don't join in the immoral behavior in order to witness with them. You should look differently. So associate means you know, uh, you're going to be just like the books that you read and the people you associate with five years from now. And maybe today's world, you're going to be just like the blogs you read, just like the things that you intake in your mind and the people that you associate that agree with all that stuff, that's going to help form your opinion of who you are. So association is being in, in depth, depth, like real deep relationship with them, connected to them, walking, you know, like that's, you, that's the person you go on vacation with. Yeah, I go on vacation all the time with people who are sleeping with their mom. You're not to do that. I don't. That was a joke. You don't do that. But you do call them back. You do lovingly try and correct folks and call them back into the fellowship. Because is that going to be healthy for family? No, that's, that, that's, that action is not going to be healthy. And so we call them back. Inside the church, don't confuse, uh, don't confuse the temple with the world, I think Paul is saying here. Don't confuse what happens in here with the world. So he goes on to say, with, don't, don't associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters, since you then would need to go out of this world. You couldn't even live in this world if you couldn't associate, hang out and be around any of those people because we have lots of those people. Some of those people are here today. I might be one of those people, right? But, but now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. 
You can't applaud this. If he is uh, guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater or a reveler or a drunkard or a swindler, not to even eat with such a one. You know, in the context, if you eat with people, it's, it's family, it's close, it's, it's, it's doing life together. It's like the, they would have uh, meals of reconciliation and all those things, and you're saying that it's okay. Don't even eat with someone who's sexually immoral. That's what Paul is saying, because you'll be, you know, you, you can have conversations and call them back, but you're not to do, you know, to eat with them. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. And not purge them like throw them away, but, but that's, let them know that that's not okay and try and call them back to the faith. And we'll see that here in a second. So again, the definition of judgment, the process of forming an opinion or, evalu- by, or uh, evaluating by discerning and comparing. A formal utterance of an authoritative opinion. How about this authoritative opinion? Well, I'm not sure if we have it all completely understood. I know. That's why we should all dive in and continue to wrestle with the text all the time and not just rely on what somebody says, no matter how smart they are or how many letters they have after their name or those things. We, should, we have the ability and the gifting to have discernment to dive into God's word, to understand what it says, and not to understand what it says to justify my behavior. That's when it's judgment to me. It's judgment when it's sin and you're justifying my behavior, I feel judged because it's sin. Or is it judgment because it's wrong and I know it's wrong. So how are we to act towards the world? Now the world is people who do not know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. They have not received the Holy Spirit within their lives. They do not function underneath the same rules that we're functioning under. Amen? Like this is the, you agreed to this. If you're a Christian, you agreed to this. You were probably baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, or we'll do it again between services. Because we have a loving Father, and we have a Son who died on a cross, and we have the Holy Spirit that he sent to dwell with us in our hearts and our temples. So, yes. This is, how we're, this is how we are to act. This is how we are to look. I've got some work to do in this area. I'm on a journey. So they do not function under the same rules. The world does not. They have not accepted the responsibility of carrying God's great name. So they do not get to be judged in the same way that we judge those inside of the church. You see, we have this thing called doctrine. Doctrine is like a codification of beliefs. Or it's a body of teaching or instructions. And so we have doctrine that we look at. See, I can't judge Tom Cruise. He's not in my church. He's not in the church. I like his movies. I guess I can't judge his movies. But I can't judge his personal Scientology uh, actions and, and beat him up for those type of things. I don't know him. I can't judge Miley Cyrus I don't know her. I don't think that she's in the faith. But you know what I could judge is I could judge Brian Bretzman. Brian, if I ever see you on your underwear hanging onto a wrecking ball in a music video, I will jerk you off of that. (laughs) Do not go look at that. But you cannot do that as my brother. Some of you are getting it now. 
And some of you need to repent for even knowing that you know about that dumb video. Like me. Came in like a wrecking ball. Horrible song. All right. Wait, where were we? See? See how Satan comes in and now we're stuck with Tom Cruise and Miley Cyrus and we're lost? No. Um, I thought it would be a funny example. Good. Hopefully I would have the maturity, though, and the relationship to judge those inside of the church with the heart and the lens to bring, that brings somebody back to the Lord. So people that have accepted the Lord, you're, you're called, we're all called to bring people back. You're called to bring me back when I stray. And I'm called to bring you back because I know what is good, true, and holy because of God's word. If I was about to stand up here and drink something that was poisonous that was going to kill me, Brian or Ernest, would should, and they knew it was going to kill me, before it got to my lips, they would tackle me and throw me off into the thing, and I might have some broken legs and arms, but they care about me because they don't want me to die spiritually or physically. And we should feel that same way about everyone in here. And how we relate to the world out there has a lot to do with how we're relating to each other in here. So how do we relate to the world out there with love and understanding? They don't operate under the same guidelines. Should we operate under theirs? Should we change to their guidelines? Are their guidelines better than ours? Is their life better than ours? Is that what that looks like? Uh-uh. No, we should call people back. And God's going to use you to, to, in your, the temple that you are out there to introduce people to him. It's going to happen this week. If you work outside in that world, guess who you work with? Not, do you know that not everybody's a Christian in Moscow and Pullman in our area? Do you know we have a little bit of opportunity out there that you might run into somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? And are you different or do you look like the world? So we model what godliness looks like the best we can. I don't always do it great. I'm working on it. We hold loving, godly boundaries inside the church. World culture should not dictate what happens in here. We should be helping to change the culture out there in a loving, godly way, not by judgment and slapping people with your Bible and yelling at them and, and hitting them with protest signs and but being there, being in their lives. We are to be an example of what transformation looks like. I used to be this way. I was a follower of the world. I thought what they had to offer was great. And it led me down a path of destruction. And I've seen it lead people down a path of destruction that blows up, your, blows up their marriages, their relationship with their kids, all of those things. No, 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 there's a, there's a, there's a path that's the right path transform how we see the world transformed we should be transformed in how we act and react towards God's outside creation that doesn't know who we are now how are we to act inside the church Galatians doing good to all brothers and sisters if someone is caught in sin you who live by the spirit that's great yeah you guys oh you have it in your notes okay I was like wait a minute okay studying the text you who are yeah, so you have the spirit of God in you that's good. Should restore that person swiftly and harshly and mean and just, just yell at them. Because that always works well. 
No, but you restore him gently. You come to your brother or sister and you're down on a knee and there's tears in your eyes and you just, you see the devastation that's about to happen in their life and you're begging for them to not. My brothers, two of my brothers and I, we drove this one time to, to, to go to a brother who was falling away from the face. We drove from Missoula to Great Falls, two and a half hours, three hours in the wintertime. There's three of us. We didn't even know where he was, but we knew that he had left his wife and his daughters. And we found him. And we spent three hours with him. And you could just tell it was like... Like he, was a, he had been a youth pastor at a church. He was in a life group with me. He had been in a men's accountability group with me. And you could just tell there was nothing. He was off. He was uh, ha- having an adulterous relationship and cheating on his wife and leaving his pregnant wife and two kids. And we went to get him. And we failed. And I just remember like... I was like brother and I just cried and cried like I couldn't even say anything my guys had to say stuff because I I was broken because I knew what was going to happen in his life I knew that what he was chasing was not going to lead to 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 what God would intend and it was going to wreck his family and it was going to drastically uh, wreck his relationship with his daughters uh, and it was going to drastically reflect, uh, you know, discount his testimony to all these kids and I was just a mess. I'm, I'm not kidding you. I cried for, and I was trying to bring him back. But he didn't want to. But we planted a seed and now he loves the Lord and now he's back. But it was our job to go get him, to drive three hours in a snowstorm, to find this brother and to call him back to the kingdom. And we were blunt but heartfelt. That's what we do. Now, Paul clarifies how we are to treat those in the next nine seconds, uh, how we are to treat those inside the church. And this is in 2 Corinthians. And I, I like to picture this, that this is that guy that was uh, dealing with, uh, with incest. I like to picture that this is Paul's response later to, to that particular guy. Hey, if anyone has caused grief, yep, that person caused some grief. This is in 2 Corinthians. He has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient if they did cast him out. Now, Instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So he won't be identified forever as the person who was sleeping with his stepmom. He's a child of God. You're to, this is how I put it. I don't necessarily know that those are connected, but I like to think it this way, that that's who Paul's talking about. You're to comfort him. You cast him out. He's sorry. He's been cast out by society. He's been out there. And now you got to go get him and bring him back. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. People do really silly things when they're excessively sorrow, don't they? When they're in excessive sorrowful, that's where suicide happens. That's where all kinds of crazy things happen. But you should comfort them. I urge you, it's pretty strong language, I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything? Are you going to chase the strays in your church? Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that, another connection to Satan, cast him out to where Satan can deal with him. 
in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his plans or schemes to destroy the church from within inside. Restoration, forgiveness, restoration. Restoration, forgiveness, restoration. 77 times 7. Restoration, forgiveness, restoration. Doesn't say association. This is restoration. So as we come to this time, I hope that as we look to answer those questions, we're going to go down an exciting path in our church. And it's a time where we can stand back in judgment and point and look, and you can decide whether you agree or don't agree with uh, the stance on this or don't agree with that. But we can engage it together and not shy away from the things that the world is talking about. You know what the world is talking about? The world is talking about transgender. The world is talking about all kinds of things that are out there that we should be able to have an answer on or at least have an opinion on, an educated opinion on, be able to talk about it uh, with a great heart of compassion and love. And so we're not going to shy away from this because our church isn't called Shy Life. The church has to stand in some sort of a gap. And it's not the, the almighty I am always correct gap because I will not always be correct but I will always act in love and compassion towards God's precious creation inside of the church and outside of the church, and I hope you do too. And compassion doesn't mean agreement. It doesn't mean that we have to agree. But it does mean that we should take the time to listen and care. And so as a church, to have a heart to do that, we will win the world over. And that's what we're tasked to do. There's seats around you that, of people in here that need to know who Jesus Christ is. And you can bring them here. You can witness to them out there. I prefer that. And you bring them here as brothers and sisters. So let's take this time to think about the sacrifice that, that, that our Lord made, to think about what he was doing as we move, fo- move forward into the time of communion. So open up your communion elements if you have those. If you don't, I think I'll have some guys coming down. We do have gluten-free ones. If you are a member of God's church, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is a great thing we get to participate in. You don't have to be a member of this church. You have to be a member of his church. Um, If not, just let it pass you by. But this is a time where we come and we kind of uh, reconnect, Lord. How did I judge this week? How are my eyes as I looked upon your creation? Did I do that well? Did I call people back to a a loving relationship with you or did I push people away? How did they view my Christian walk this week? Because you died for it. You died to overcome eternal judgment in my life. You died to cover all of the sins that I have made in the past and that this pastor standing on this stage will make in the future. And so we take that very seriously around here. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember what he did. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are proclaiming 
that he died for all of our judgment. He died for all of our sins for eternity. So we proclaim that. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the hearts and minds of people that were called to this particular body today. I ask that you would just have your hands upon every one of them, that they would be blessed immensely and realize the blessings, uh, those blessings that are unrealized, uh, that you would reveal those to them and the blessings that are coming, Lord, uh, that you would just pour it upon them in a gracious, gracious, gracious manner uh, from work to school to, uh, to relationships, Lord, flourish flourish your people flourish your mighty mighty people have your hand upon us take us to beautiful places in your text as we study your word take us to to worshiping passionately in our cars in the shower in our house uh, at church that you are you are filling our head with your words and that we would walk boldly we would walk confidently and we would represent you well to the world and we would work well with each other inside these walls we love you father we praise you in Jesus' name Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.